1: of the Property Duo podcast and YouTube series. Um, Today, what date is it today? It is the 16th of April, so I believe it's the third week of coronavirus lockdown. Uh, And we're talking about a few different topics. The first one is what has happened since we last did this episode. Has anything changed for us? Um, And a really important one is how long do we think the recovery will take after lockdown and what do we think that might consist of so this is all predictions this is not legal or financial advice please we don't have public liability insurance so don't say anything to us um we're going to talk about building a brand and putting yourself out there uh, and then we're also going to talk about things you can do during this time to use your time wisely however these are totally up to you we're not like a facebook meme that says if you haven't left this without a side hustle you're a waste man no we're just going to give some tips that we think you can do if you want. So, James, you always have uh, some interesting story or you know, you're in trouble or someone's in trouble in your world. So um, do you want to start us off? But do you want to maybe tell everyone about our biggest fan who recently discovered our, our podcast? Your mum.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the hot topic for this week. So recently, um, my mum. She's, she's 65, you know, Asian woman. She recently discovered our podcast. So she discovers the, the Property Geo podcast. So she's gone and subscribed to it. And, you know, my mom's one of those people that does not do technology. But she we recently got her a phone and she's been doing the whole WhatsApp stuff, you know, uh, trying to diagnose coronavirus like every other Asian mum is at the moment, you know, with their remedies. But the interesting thing was she came onto the podcast and she goes, you know what? I'm really enjoying this podcast because she's been pretty bored sitting at home normally she's out and about doing stuff we can't get around to see her so she's been keeping herself occupied with a podcast so that was one of the most interesting things and quite funny actually because she started quoting bits from it to me she's like when did you do this you never told me (laughs) when did you do this and it's just kind of like whoa mom is really on this one yeah I wouldn't be surprised if she starts leaving us a review or starts to comment (laughs) soon or you know what even more so She might be brave enough to come onto one of these lives, which will just kill it completely. But yeah, our biggest fan, my mum, has joined
1: and she has subscribed to our podcast and she's listening regularly. So big up, mum. Big up, big up, auntie. So uh, what's new in your life since last Thursday? Um, I think the biggest thing so far is
0: that message that I sent you last night where you know, uh, about um, mm. FHL. So people that don't know Foundation Home Loans, uh, mm. Ted had a remortgage go through with them last week and he posted something about them asking him to sign a disclaimer about mortgage holidays right mm-hmm. at the last moment. And you said it was pretty badly written, like someone's quickly just... Yeah, typed it up I'll show on it on screen while you're talking. Yeah, so he said that it was a quite bad declaration, uh, just asking him if he's been requested any kind of... Yeah, wow. Wow, yeah.
1: I'm talking. I'll just leave it here.
0: Yeah. So similar kind of thing happened to me. So um, my broker messages me last night about six o'clock in the evening and says, James, look, I've just received this email from FHL saying that you requested a mortgage holiday. And due to you requesting a mortgage holiday, they are now going to drop your remortgage and they're not going to let it go through. And I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 this is just nonsense um it's uh, my broker said to me goes there's some interim staff that they've hired who's working on this case he's never spoken to him before uh the top dog seems to have disappeared so he's not really answering but the thing was did we ask for a mortgage holiday no we didn't not from this particular lender so we called him at the government's advice when things went on lockdown they said look you know what speak to your lenders find out what's going on so the first week everyone's panicking a little bit thinking am i going to get my rent paid how are things going to go for me Like you would. So I put a phone call into FHO and just asked them and said, listen, what is the procedure on mortgage holidays? And what are you guys doing in terms of helping your clients if we don't receive rent? Their response to me was, uh, James, you are waiting in a massive queue. We're looking at about 72 hours for somebody to call you back. And someone will call you back, a business development manager, and just keep you up to date to let you know what's going on. Now, this was almost a month ago. I haven't had this phone call come through to me. We haven't requested any kind of mortgage holiday. We just wanted to inquire about the mortgage holiday. So to my shock, when I get this message last night, I'm thinking, oh, shit, am I going to put my foot in it by just asking? And I thought, hold on a second. I haven't actually signed anything. So how the hell can you just say to me that I've asked, you know, I've, I'm taking the mortgage holiday? And off the back of that, They actually took the payment for March and they've taken a payment for April. So I don't understand how they can say I'm on a mortgage holiday. So, you know, obviously, I think most people would panic if you receive that. And I panicked for a few moments and I thought, oh, man, I'm not going to get my funds come through. You know, I'm not going to be able to eat. I'm going to starve, all that kind of nonsense. Things are going to go from bad to worse. And no, not really, but still. So I thought, how do I overcome this? And then I thought to myself, you know what? The first thing is, a day after I called him, I got an email from my tenant saying to me, look, James, we just wanted to let you know that both me and my partner, we're, we work in the legal sector. Um, we don't see any problem with you getting your rent payments because we've got solid jobs. We're part of an international firm. So we're just a polite email just to say to you and put your mind at ease that you'll have no problems getting rent from us. So I thought, okay, that's a nice bit of evidence. That came in the day after I put a call into FHL. So I thought I'm using as that, that as a bit of evidence there. And then secondly, a screenshot of the bank statement just showing where the payments have continued to go out to the lender, even after I've so-called asked for a holiday. And then the third thing was, um, I've already got a couple of mortgages with them. And the third thing was actually getting a bank statement showing ample funds in the statement. And I, you know, I said to them, look, we could cover both of these mortgages for the next 10 years if corona went on for that long. So there's no issue there with the funds. Our issue was, Because we were due to complete on a big, well, we were going to exchange on a big project, which would have tied up all our funds. But luckily that fell through, which means now we've got a load of funds to cover both mortgages. So I thought, I've got to try and reinforce my case here because it's going to, like you said, Ted, there's some waste man sitting there at the other end of a computer typing this up and saying, hey, James, you ain't getting your money, boy, because you phoned us. That's like, what? How are you going to say that? I didn't even speak to someone. It It was a flipping, a message, we will call you back. And besides, at the bottom of the email to him, I said, I'm really, really disappointed in you. You said to me that your callback time was 72 hours. It's now been four weeks. I still haven't received a call from you. So I'd officially like to complain about that. So so that's been my development for the week, whereas everything was running so, so smoothly. And then suddenly I'm now in this position where I might not get my remortgage come through. And because it's, it's a HMO hybrid product, I don't know if anybody's familiar with these brand new HMO hybrid products that they've got. The flipping valuation fee on this thing was about eight hundred quid. And when you're due to, when you're quite used to having a um, a free val or you know a valuation that's next to nothing, when you've paid out so much money, and you know the value that came along was a he was he was quite a bit of a waste man himself. You know he was kind of really nitpicking at little little things, devalued the property and all sorts. So I'm thinking. I don't really want this to fall through right at the you know last hurdle where everything is ready to go. The solicitors are ready, everyone's ready, and you've got this spotty little twenty-year-old sitting there. No, no offense to your twenty-year-olds out there, <laughs> by the way, but you've got this spotty little twenty-year-old. I'm looking at Ruby because she's the youngest, isn't she? <laughs>
1: uh, what did you and, just uh, say? <laughs> she has good. Skin. She has good skin, though. I have to give her that. I have to big up.
0: Big up. So.
1: So this spotty little 20 year old
0: probably writing this message saying, you know what, James, you are not getting your money. And I'm thinking, no, I am not I'm not having this. I'm not not having this at all. So we are now um trying to just overcome that hurdle and um and and kind of get through that little glass bit so we I can think... get the money out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think bit...
0: gone. Yeah. So so that's that that's kind of been the major one for me this week where Everything was running so smoothly. We had the solicitor who came and done the, you know, the individual legal advice with his with his bin stick through the window and <laughs> complied to the two meter social distancing. <laughs> and now it could all go to shit. Uh, my uh, my broker's hopeful that it won't because he's ready to just really beat up FHL because he's thinking to himself, uh, you know what? Um, nah, this is this ain't on because this case was well and truly
1: in process before corona came along and and you didn't get the same letter i did right you never received that
0: no no i haven't had that declaration letter but i'm quite That's confident weird. that will come just as the funds are about to be released and they'll make you sign that
1: potentially so i got mine well i got mine mm, the day before the certificate on title was sent to them so i I'm, I'm meant to get the funds tomorrow let's see um and i got it like a day before so they didn't there wasn't a specific time. So I find it weird given how like mine was in the exact same stage as yours when I received it by email and they didn't want a hard copy either. They just wanted a a scan or whatever. So I find it strange. I think, you know what? On the, on on the best case, it's basically some, some idiot doing poor admin and them just shitting themselves because they're not bank funded. They're not high street bank. So I think for me, like the biggest lesson here is fuck the government. Fuck, fuck all of them, because at the end of the day, yeah, no one expected me to get so ragged, didn't they? Um, but because they can tell you here, take these payment holidays, <clears throat> you know, we're here to support landlords. No, you're not. Because if you were, then you Preach. would stop things like this happening. Now, look, And I get why lenders want you to sign it. Like, would you lend your money to someone who can't keep up payments? it swings aroundabouts. roundabouts. If they've already got a tenant, maybe, but they may, so like, I get, I get their approach. Like I totally get why they would not lend. I wouldn't. If you said, I'm going to stop paying your interest for the next few months and you're like, Oh, but could I have 20 grand more? I'd say definitely not. A- anyone would. Right. So I think they're doing the right thing for their own interests. And that's the key thing for their own interest. Cause no one gives a shit about you really. Right. Like apart mm-hmm. from us. So I think they're doing the right thing as a, as a business, but, what's important is like in your case it's stupid because it's an admin error in my case i got the letter but i think they should be warning people you know like they should when you're taking out a mortgage holiday you know because when i posted this letter on facebook i think it was the first people had officially seen of this because loads of people shared it and were like we've been telling you about this so i think it's one of these things where Lenders should say this beforehand because yes, your credit might have a a U on it or like an unclassified or whatever, and that's great. But if you can't get every mortgage that you need now or in a few months because they're going to judge you, which I, I said last episode, I said last episode before that, don't take a mortgage holiday unless you absolutely need it. I think that's like the general advice. But if again, look, if people aren't paying rent, like to be honest with you, if if people weren't paying me rent, would I take a mortgage holiday? probably not because of fucking bullshit like this. And that sounds, that sounds terrible. Right. And I'm not advising people to do that. I'm saying I have enough cash there to take that hit, not like happily, but I would rather take that than have the old judgment that comes and that causes issues. Right. Um, So yeah, I think it's shitty of them, but the lesson which you and me both discussed yesterday was, you know, time to diversify. I've only got a few mortgages because a lot of them are now jumping onto mortgages but to go to like high street banks or companies or, or lenders that are backed by high street banks, because yes, they can still do the same thing and they will, but they've got a bit more about them, you know, foundations, the little kind of, you know, I don't know, foundation to the kid at PE who forgot his PE kit and he has to wear like shorts and vest spacing. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, like you, <laughs> <laughs> I look good in a vest, string vest. No. Um, no, so I think like you have to, as much as cheap as foundation are and as low, the, you know, I love them for many reasons. They're great. And we both use them for a reason. I am going to take a higher percentage hit per month, you know, just to go with a lender who I know when the next pandemic comes around, because it will, whenever it is, I'm ready, right? And I'm prepared. So yeah, I think it's it's a bit, yeah. It's not very nice of foundation. Um, my update. It's it's, it's funny.
0: On. It's funny you mention that, Ted, because the broker said the same thing yesterday. He goes, "Look, James, I really want to move you away from these kind of investor back banks onto proper proper high street lenders because you're now at a place where you should be." He goes, "I want you protected. I want you with a solid bank who's going to be around, and when shit like this happens, mm. um, it's it's not it's not a major deal and it's not going to really affect you, but." Like you say, um, you know, they're, they're trying to pretend they're there to help you. But if you've got a remortgage going through with them, they're just marking your card. I remember a few years ago, I used to say to people, I knew a lot of people that took the piss with the PPA PPA claims, you know, when you had all the claims going on for credit cards, insurances and all that. I said to these guys, I said, listen, somewhere along the line, this bank is going to start marking your card because they're just going to give you shitloads loads of money and just say hey hey don't worry take that money you can have a claim on us and you can carry on having a credit card with us alone with us i said no sorry. they've marked your card somewhere along the line so just be be very very careful of that definitely what i found um, what i found really odd was ted my broker being a broker he's taken a mortgage holiday in all his products you know, even though he doesn't, need, even though he doesn't need it, he was saying to me, "Yep, I've got one with Coventry, I've got one with BM, I've got one with this." And I thought, "Why are you doing that for?"
1: He goes, "Just want to conserve my cash flow for a few months." I think. Okay. I mean, look, if you're not planning on remortgaging and you have a big existing portfolio that you stop building, don't know if he has, then I'd probably do the same thing because I'm like, look, I'm settled, I'm good, I don't need more shit from you banks, so I'll just take the holidays and get cash, like. Absolutely. Like it's hundred percent what I would do if I was in that position though. Um, right. What else updates? So from my end, I have completed on one auction purchase, which was, I think Monday, I don't know, Thursday, maybe Monday. I can't remember. It was a little bit delayed. Anyways, one guy has been in and he spent two days there and he's stripped the whole fucking house and he's blue gritted the walls ready for plaster in two wow. days I was like, what are you feeding these guys, like, done? Um, and uh, Rewire's happening Thursday today's happening now. So things are kind of progressing, but obviously we can't get certain bits. I'm still trying to get roof slates for a roof that we're doing, which we can't get at the moment. So on my end, refurbs are kind of progressing, everything's a bit slow. I've actually got one deal, which you got the money for to fund, which the seller, the seller solicitors now said, Oh yeah, the seller hasn't signed the transfer. We gave it to them on the thirty-first of March. I was like Well Okay, I mean I'm happy to to take a delay on the purchase. It doesn't bother me, like whatever. Like it's same difference.
0: Can you can you turn
1: around and find them for taking the
0: piss now and take
1: Ooh Why didn't I think of that straight away? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you're now, you know, you should say it's it's negatively impacted me. You know, I've got a little bit of stress sitting here in my underpants, I'm really worried. <laughs> <Play> <laughs> I'm gonna have to Xbox. charge you. <laughs> That's
1: it. You know what? I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna compensation. Ask. Yeah. The thing is, as much as I'd love to do that, I have a good relationship with the auction house. So I don't want any any things like that. And also I'm trying to buy the freehold at the same time. And the freeholder is just taking a little bit longer. So I'm kind of like thankful for the, for the thing, but I've never had on an auction purchase, the seller not be ready. Normally they're ready from day one, everything's yeah. signed. So it's, I don't know. It's a bit strange. Like an event is really nice. Like I've spoken to him directly. Every, so it's a bit weird. Like, my solicitors were like, hedge. I was like, well, whatever, Like let's just, I, I'm not in a rush, you know, like, this this refurb needs materials quite heavily so <clears throat> whatever really and i'll I'll, you know i'm not waiting six months to refinance it well i might have to but so yeah nothing really um major to update from my end i think um I'm, I'm, i've got I'm, one more i've got nice one board. more
0: update for you please so the rogue um the rogue agency that's got my hmo the ones that pretty much told me to f off and you can do whatever you like so I've had a bit of development there, not with getting any rent or getting my house back, but I had some development with um, uh, the council guy who deals with the HMO licence. So do you remember when I told you uh, Redbridge Borough has a massive backlog of licences? Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't entirely true. So what's happened is these agents have, every single time there's been a meeting to come around and assess the house for a HMO licence, they've just kind of you know uh, cancelled the meeting or disappeared or not showed up. So they've really, really been delaying it. Um, So I was speaking to the guy at the council yesterday via email, really, really nice guy, um, got on really well. And um, I asked him, I thought, okay, let me see if I can switch this up a little bit and switch it back on the agents. I said to the guy, I said, listen, I know the license is in their name. Can you do me a favor and can you switch the license to my name? And he's like, yeah, sure. No worries. I'll switch that to your license, to your name. And I said, are you happy to grant the license to me as well, based on photographic evidence to show you that there's a fire alarm system there, fire doors, the kitchen, the sizes and the spaces, architects plans? He said, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. He goes, the council have advised him that he needs to um, get all his cases sorted, all these open cases sorted because they're moving him out of that department because they don't deem it to be important to issue HMO licenses at the moment. So I thought, OK now's my chance to get back at these agents they've paid for the license so I thought thank you very much I'll have that money and the license will now be in my name which means when we do go through and take you to court or when we are doing an eviction on you there's another bit of evidence there to say that look you guys don't actually have a HMO and you've been trading that house as a HMO for x amount of times so I'm trying to get I'm trying to just uh, reinforce my case and strengthen my case against them Because when they told me to F off, I was just like, oh, man, what do I do? Do I go to the house? Do I start knocking on their door? Do I go crazy? Well, you know what? Take a deep breath, James. This old meditation malarkey has been helping you, you know? Remain calm. So I remain calm and I thought, I'm going to get you back in the same way that you guys got me. So that was a nice little bit of development that the HMO license is being switched up into my name. Uh, And then when I am ready and I get the property back, it'll be all plain sailing that I can get it renovated and get it let. And he was a really, really nice guy. He's, He's actually um he's actually renovating his own house so we we're just giving him a bit of advice talking so he was uh
1: yeah yeah nice bit of development there nice good man i'm glad hopefully it will uh, pay dividends in the long run with these bastards so um <laughs> on to our first topic what do we want to do should we talk about the recovery post lockdown first mhm right so obviously we're we're in lockdown at the moment, uh, if no one's aware, we are. Um, how, I guess, firstly, we don't know how long it's been extended for. I believe that they're, they're talking about it today. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, but let's say it's extended probably until May. So that's about a month ish or, or two weeks, two, three weeks at the minimum. Once we come out of lockdown, I mean, I think, I think firstly, the longer the lockdown lasts, the bigger the impact will be on the economy. That's obvious. Um, but James, my question for you is, I don't know if you heard the news recently, but there was the OBR, I don't know what that stands for. Some British thing, government said there could be a 30% drop in the economy. I think it was, was it GDP? I'm not sure. But in the economy, they said, after this lockdown. Now, 30% is huge. I think after 2008, it was like 4%. I think the last time it was 30% was the 17th century. So like it's basically never happened. Like do you think that it could be that dramatic if if we come out of lockdown in a few weeks? And then because you've you've kind of lived through a recession with more cognition than me because I was a kid then. Uh you obviously 40 I think in the recession. So um yeah. you know how <laughs> how um, you're, you're terrible, man. You're terrible. What are your thoughts on everything I just said?
0: You're a proper ageist, aren't you? Taking
1: <laughs> you have wisdom. That's why we're doing this. You have wisdom. Do
0: you know what? I have stopped listening to the news because every time I hear the down news, all I hear is this is going to happen. The world's ending. Another seven hundred people have died. You know, all these businesses are going to go under. Another another clothing brand's gone under. So I've decided. I ain't listening to the news no more because all I'm hearing is negative shit coming in. So I'll stop listening to it. The next thing I've done is I thought, you know what? When I do need to hear what the highlights are, I'm just going to, every evening, just put it on for a couple of minutes just to see what's going on. But I think there's a lot of scaremongering going on. Yeah, I think a lot of people are shitting themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally feel that this whole lockdown, I don't think we're going to be out of our houses till about June. I feel personally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of. I I was thinking when this first started, I thought, you know what, this is just a little four week holiday. We'll be back before we know it. It's going to be nice. We'll refreshed. But as time goes on, I'm starting to think, no, this is going to go on a little bit longer, and it's a little bit more serious than people are making out to be. You know, I was there thinking, now nah, this is all a little bit of a story. Someone's made this virus up, like everybody else does. Some <laughs> such but then, uncle. yeah, no, but listen, off the back of that. I told you, didn't I, the other day when my friend rang me and he said his dad died from it. And you know when you know someone firsthand and you're uh-huh. thinking, no, 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 this shit's real. And then my wife was telling me that a family she knows where she used to live in, in West, um, the whole family's got it. And one of the one of the daughters was on, on a ventilator. She recovered from that. But they're on lockdown in their house. And this is someone she grew up with, went to school with. So mm. I'm thinking maybe this shit is a little bit more serious than people are making it out to be. And to be honest with you, Other than going out for a run in the morning, I ain't going nowhere, mate. I'm getting some food and that. And I'm not risking my kids going out either because I think to myself, you know what? I couldn't live with myself if one of them contracted something and being on their own in the hospital and all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. I'd rather than just be in the house playing, you know, shitloads of Xbox or whatever they're doing, gaming. Carry on. Enjoy this time because you ain't never getting it again, but you ain't going out if it's risky. In terms of your question, do I think it's going to be that bad? I don't think it's going to be that bad. No, no. I think there's a lot of scaremongering going on. Like I said, people are people are, uh, are are really starting to get scared, and I think it's down to each and every one of us how much of this negativity you're going to consume. You know, it's what you're going to tell your mind and what you're going to believe in it at the end of the day. So I would say, take it with a pinch of salt. Yes, maybe hold back on things you were doing. Maybe regroup, maybe rethink, maybe do all those tasks that you haven't done. You know, like I'm sure people's accounts are due at the moment. That's a task you could do. We always leave that to the end minute. Do all that boring shit that needs to be done. But don't take your eye off the ball. If your strategy is sourcing deals, carry on sourcing, carry on looking at the market. If you're buying, if you're flipping, carry on looking. But don't let what the government's telling you shit you up because they nine times out of the 10, they're lying to us anyway
1: yeah yeah 100 i'd say 10 times out of 10 they're lying to ourselves and themselves i think like it's yeah i totally agree with the news i think i keep an eye on the economical news because i've got not much else to do to be frank um but like i think i think there's definitely going to be a dip or a kind of drop in in of course there has to be an economic output in the in the economy in general in how people are behaving and how people's like going out habits, are restaurants gonna be the same for the next few months? Are people gonna to wanna to sit? You know, there's lots of like human factors which will affect the economy. And therefore, if they affect the economy and they're human, they affect us and we affect it. It's one big circle. So I think there will be like when it comes to property, which is is the most important thing for this chat, I actually just have no clue if prices are gonna go down because the economic activity is gone down, or they're gonna go up because everyone's been locked at home and and so I honestly have no idea what's happening, but I am, like you said, I'm still looking at deals. I'm still analyzing, but I think for me, some of the biggest changes are I had a deal brought to me that I didn't take. And were if we were, okay, mainly because the end comparables were not easy, but I know the area. So if we were out of coronavirus, 90% chance I'll be buying that deal right now. But because the end values weren't as what I wanted. And because of Corona and because of, if I took a 10% on my conservative already dropped end value, it's fucked. So I was just like, actually this is not good enough for it to make sense. Whereas the house that, you know, you got funding for, for me, I'm buying it for 28 grand plus the freehold. I'm buying it incredibly BMV. That's the kind of thing where I could, I can, you know, I wouldn't pull out no way. I wouldn't pull out full stop, but that's the kind of thing I could. So I think like, I'm I'm looking at deals, but I'm you know, am I going to go ahead with them? I don't know. It's very difficult to get investor finance right now because people are shitting themselves, and it's difficult to get bridging because well, they're basically closed. Some are open, but you're looking at I don't know, fifteen to thirty percent sometimes on the money to them plus fees plus blah are oh, ridiculous. Which is fine, you know. If you need to buy, you need to buy. Um, I think one of the biggest things I'm doing, which for me is huge. Is I'm not giving any pre auction offers. I'm doing, I'm waiting and I'm gonna maybe get some post auction offers in a few weeks, which for me is very difficult to sit on my hands because I'm, I'm like, oh, I wanna submit, I wanna submit, but I'm not because it's just too uncertain at the moment. And luckily, the auction's in three weeks and I know that there's gonna be some unsold lots and we can see what happens. I think, you know, I think what a lot of people ask, people message me on Instagram, Probably the same for you is that should I buy property now? So, what's your like answer to that? I know there's no straightforward answer, but what would you say when someone asks us that?
0: Um, you know what? Would I carry on buying right now? Yes, I will. You know, I'm going to carry on buying. If the right deal comes along, I will still buy it. If the numbers stack, yes, I'm still going to buy it. I feel like you say, there might be a slight dip. There might be a slight bit of an issue with getting rooms rented once we're out of all of this. But I think gradually it's gonna it's gonna get back to normal. But you know, if, maybe if you're new to this game, maybe you might want to hold off. Maybe if you haven't, you know, if you haven't been through a res- recession before where you've seen things dip, or you haven't actually been through the process of buying a house or buying your first investment property, maybe you might just want to hold back a little bit and sit back. Because let's face it. You know, it's not going to get, if if you've seen a house today for a £100,000, it's not going to get any more expensive tomorrow, is it? If anything, it's going to get possibly a little bit cheaper if the market takes a dip. But if you're a, I think if you're a seasoned investor and you've been investing for a while and you know your model, you know your strategy, I think the people on this chat that do that, they're going to carry on going. I mean, if it's the first time you're going into a strategy, my advice maybe would be, take a step back and just consume what's going on. I think you're quite lucky to go through a recession in the sense that you can see when shit hits the fan. You know, you could flip this on the, on a positive note that it's probably quite a nice thing to go through. So, well, not a nice thing to be locked up in your house, but a nice thing to go through financially uh, and see what's happening to the market. So you can assess it if you ever go through this again. I mean, I remember in 2008 We didn't really the area that we live in and the area that we're investing in. We didn't really see much of a change, you know. If anything, probate we were getting deals on probate properties, and I always find with probates, it's always some cousin or brother or kid trying to sell the property, and all they want is the money. They've got the wrong financial education. They just think I can get three hundred grand out of my aunt's house. I'm going to buy a Lambo. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be sorted. And before you know it, they've pissed the money up the wall and, you know, they're no better off. So my advice, if you're a seasoned investor, like a few of us, if you've got a good strategy, carry on going. Why wouldn't you? Why would you stop? You know, if you're new, maybe take a step back and consume all this and just ride the recession and see what happens. And off the back of that, make sure you're getting your news from good sources. You don't want pub talk. You know what I mean? You don't want Dave Oh, Dave down the pub told me I could do this, or Dave down the pub said that every house in that street is going to be free, or Dave in the pub said that oh mortgages, yo, you know they're going to drop the loan to value to like thirty percent and all this nonsense. Work out where you're getting your source of information for. You don't want pub talk. I call it pub talk. You know, it's just it's just shit. You want to be getting your information from the right sources and get it from good sources. You know, don't (laughs) not from your mate, not from your uncle. You know. Being an Indian man, you've always got that <laughs> uncle who's never bought a property, who's never done shit all, but he's there to say to you, Oh son, I tell you, this is a good deal. And you're thinking, hold on, how do you know it's a good deal? You've never bought nothing. You've never, you've not even bought yourself a new car. Don't be giving me education on buying property. So <laughs> just make 100%. sure your source of information,
1: <laughs> make sure your source of information is good. A hundred percent. There's always, I can't wait to be that uncle, but at least I'll have a bit of experience behind me in it. That I can, I can talk about it. Um, but yeah, Dave down the pub. He's a prick mate. Don't listen to him. Um, he's good for a laugh, but uh, he's not good for knowledge. I think, you know what? It's interesting because you are more experienced than me. You've been buying property for how many years now? Um, I've been full
0: time in property for a couple of years, but I've been buying property for probably coming up. I bought my first property when I was 23. So 17 um,
1: years ago. And I'm, and I'm 38 now. Uh, 38. So about 15 years in property. So I think you and me have similar views, but I think you have the benefit of kind of living through a recession, living through different periods of an economy, whereas I have a year of doing this. So for me, because my, the buyer February finance, which I know you do and many people in here do as well, it's so predicated on the end value being, you know, within a tolerable limit of what we predict it or, or have researched it to be. So for me, a 10% drop is not going to affect my current properties as uh, long shall continue, but a 10% drop will affect my ability to leave less money in. So for me, because that is such a vital part of my strategy and my business and in paying investors back, I am taking a back seat now and watching and I'm still, you know, I'm holding myself back, but I'm watching and watching. And look, if the if the right deal comes up, like I mean stupidly cheap that the end value doesn't, you know, it won't be affected too much. Then it's fine. However, I am taking more of a backseat. I'm not new necessarily. I'm newer than a lot of people for sure, but I'm taking a backseat because I need my end values to be spot on. So I'm waiting for, like I think I said last time, let other people, as soon as value valuations open up, am I going to say, let's do a remortgage Shaz, who's now joined us, big up Shaz. Um, I'm not. I'm going to say, let everyone go ahead. Let me see what everyone does. Hashtag guinea pigs. Let me see what the sentiment is. Let me see what the gossip is. And then I'll say, am I going to do a revaluation? So I think, I think also, right. And this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially if you've been doing it for like even just a few months, once you have a good deal flow and a good deal pipeline, you're kind of confident that it shall continue. So for example, I know even if I didn't buy during this period, when I come out of it, if I message the right people, if I speak to the right agents, and my deal flow will continue. Yes, you know, I want to keep buying from certain sources because it it's good for the relationship. But this is so uncertain that no one's. Well, I think people aren't necessarily judging. You know, agents and blah blah are not judging for you not buying stuff. So. I think it's quite a nice respite period, like just a freeze on your reputation with these people, because there's pressure, right? You know, from builders to keep giving them work, from agents to keep buying, from blah, blah, blah. So for me, I'm kind of like just comfortable with the deal flow enough that I'm like, let me just hold back a bit and and not do it. I think for people who are like, say someone's buying their first house, their like first investment, would I personally say you should invest now? If you've got a cracking deal that's really good and it, and because of Corona, maybe the vendor's taking less, then yeah, potentially, but it really depends on the deal. So my answer is a bit fluffy because it depends on the deal. But generally my advice is to be very cautious depending on your end exit. Because if it's for selling, you've got to think, right, when a value is coming back out for the first-time buyers and for the mortgage lenders – You know, is everyone just going to batter you on price because of Corona? Just like we try to as well. What, what's actually going to happen? So just be, make sure your exits are solid. Like anytime, any good broker, anyone tell you your exits have to be right. So for me, it's a mixed bag. It depends on the deal. If you've got a deal you want us to look at live, just chuck it in the um, chat box. Make sure you put every detail in and we'll try and do it live. That could be another podcast, deal analysis podcast we Should do that we should do that, but we have to charge um I think we should start at twenty grand and then we bring it down to fifteen, then ten, then ninety seven quid, just a small discount, yeah, what do you risk i'll do I'll do it for a pack of Harry bows oh deal oh, fine. <laughs> hell. You just, just undercut me, you bastard, I was trying to get I was trying to get ninety seven quid out of everyone um right, so the next topic sorry think, Ted, before you before you um, go on. On that note of beating people up on prices,
0: so I sent you that picture of that house because obviously at the moment, one of the things I said was, as soon as we're out of this corona nonsense, the first thing I'm doing is I'm buying myself a house because I've been constantly pumping the money back into deals and I haven't bought myself Mm -hmm. a house. I know some gurus will tell you, I know, you want to rent the house you live in because that's the wrong move to do if you're buying it. But some of the stuff that I sent you the other day, I sent you a picture of a lovely house. We looked at it last year and it was way over a million quid. We looked at stuff that was 1.1, 1.2. We're now seeing that stuff down to 800,000 pounds. And you're thinking to yourself, damn, some of these properties have been on the market for a year anyway, and they're already dropping their pants by a couple of hundred grand. And you're thinking, what kind of deal am I going to get when we do come out of this and we can actually go and view stuff? Is this going to be the time for me to buy that nice house that I've always wanted to buy and get it at the right money? You know, so yeah, I think... Put the investment aside for your own personal home. I think now for us as a family looking for our ideal family home it's going to be a great time for us to find that find that property with every single thing that we want in it.
1: I think like something just interesting you reminded me on that is that on Twitter I, I, I check out Twitter every once a day because it's like people are brutal on the internet it's hilarious the way they tear into politics like it's just hilarious if you don't take it seriously if you're into politics you're going to get into fights but anyways um i have seen a lot and i think it's been trending a lot of people wanting basically i'm going to be really um, rude here as if i'm not normally um like a lot of dumb millennials wishing for a housing market crash so they can afford their first house because they live paycheck to paycheck and instead of saving money, they go out all the time and spend money on Ubers and they blame the government for their own stupidity. Anyways, um, they have been saying, oh, I want a housing market crash, then I can I can get my first house and, you know, blah, 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 you know. And it's Guilty. a bit... Oh, Ruby, get, kick her out of the chat. Um, but and... I'm not like them millennials. I'm a different kind of millennial. So right, so is, right. this the, is this the Ruby show or what? Can you mute okay, yourself? Sorry, bye-bye. <laughs> Um, i'm joking love uh so i think it's a bit stupid because they're not thinking about the current homeowners whose ltv is going to drop they're not thinking about all the repossessions that are going to happen they're not thinking about the current you know they're not thinking about anyone but themselves and a housing market crash isn't necessarily going to help them because it doesn't mean that lending is going to be available so i think there's a lot of like i don't know cultural stuff going around of like oh yeah you know Housing market crash, that'd be great for us. But actually, it really would not be good for us. Um, And that's another thing that I think, kind of just be aware of, right? Like people are, yeah, wishing for the wrong things. And we as investors should know better that that's not what we want. What we want is to be able to help vendors out with their situations should they get into them, but not to wish for them to be in that situation. Because your own parents, your own family, you could be in that situation if that happens right so it's something to to be wary of Mm -hmm. so the next uh topic is uh, are we are we comfortable has anyone got any questions on i I don't know the economy or uh, corona or buying houses before we we switch on jump on to the next topic because you you can cut this little bit awkward pause can't you james
0: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: So we just, we'll just just wait a second if anyone has any questions. If they don't, we will jog on like you, jog 11k every morning. Mad, mate, mad.
0: Not every morning, every other morning. My old legs can't take it
1: anymore. <laughs> How many miles is that? Like eight <laughs> miles? That's eight I think, miles, yeah. Yeah. yeah, something like that. That's a lot. That is like eight miles. That's like going to Slough from here. That's
0: mad. Listen, it's so good when you've got an hour long podcast because it makes it so nice.
1: I can't, ooh, I don't know, if, uh, I just don't like running, to be honest. Like my knees just, they can't, they can't handle it. Listen, when you, when you get married, you're going to be running for the rest of your life, brother. <laughs> 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 I'll, uh, I'll let her know you said that. She'll send some virtual slaps for you. Um, <laughs> so let's move on there. No one's got any questions. Uh, right. So the next topic, I think, oh no, hold on. There was like a semi, was it? Okay. So, okay. So then let's, let's go on to how to use this time wisely. Right. Before we start this, I just want to disclaim again, please. There's no pressure. There's no you should be doing this. You sh- this is just like things we're doing and things that we could be doing. And to be honest, I'm looking for inspiration because right now I'm hella bored. I've done everything. I've edited every single freaking video I can find. I'm rinsed, and I've done my accounts. I don't know. So I'm kind of edit. Your, Aaron, are you, Aaron, uh, you listen. I'm not editing anyone's <laughs> Videos. <laughs> they take so long, especially the ones you do. Look at all these people like acting like they make videos. What's it, Sandy? Think you make videos? What? Listen, people in this chat are getting brave. You know, if you make videos, <laughs> then I'll happily um, review them for you. Um, oh, Mohit saying Bollywood movies to watch Bollywood movies. I know they take up five hours of my life, but th- it's the same story, in it? Girl loves guy. Guy is obstructed by his own ego, and then he gets on a motorbike, tells her he loves her, but then the dad doesn't approve. Sounds like every Bollywood film, isn't it? the there man i'm not watching any bonus films <laughs> um <laughs> i tried to find 300 the spartan film but nowhere has it for free and i'm not paying £3.49 for it so if anyone can uh, send me the link to watch 300 oh yes aaron thank you uh so anyways moving on <laughs> look at this in the chat i love this I'm, getting, I'm gonna watch 300 today so james what can we do in this time uh to use this time wisely hit me I think like you said, Ted, there's really no wrong or right answer. But
0: one thing I would say is you don't want to waste this time because this time ain't coming back again, not anytime soon. When did you know the last time where you had nearly one month off your work and you were at home? You can sleep when you want. You can get up when you want. You can structure your day how you want. You can pretty much do what you want other than go outside, which is a major thing I know. But you've still got that one hour that they allow you for to get out and do your exercise or get some fresh air or get some food mm. i think I think you can you need to balance the time out as well for me, I would say it 's been the most productive time you know it 's been really, really productive because um, straight away, one thing we had to do was get a time plan in place because we 've got kids. Uh, my wife needs time to work as well, so we 've got set hours where we can work so it 's been real quality productive time, but there are times when you 're quite easily distracted, you know you can get in a conversation on Instagram and before you know it, you know, you're an hour in and you're just discussing something and you think, no man, I don't want to be doing this. But yeah, I've, I've used the time to get a load of videos out, get a load of content out, you know, stuff like this show, people won't believe it, but it does take a while for us to chop everything up, produce smaller videos, get the audio extracted. So it's stuff that I just wouldn't have time to do during, um, during my normal working day. The other thing I've done is I've done a reassessment of all the tasks that I do, you know, every single task mm. that I do. And I've actually written them down in an Excel chart and worked out which one of these tasks can I send off to a virtual assistant and which one do I actually need to be doing myself. So that was quite a good thing. Now I've realized after doing that, about 60% of what I do, I could just send to a virtual assistant. So I've, I've taken this time to book a meeting with, um, who is it, the Freak Geeks or something, Geek? Um, um, um yeah she's on my podcast i forgot yes yeah yeah imogen that's it that's it Yeah. so yeah. I've, I've booked uh, an appointment with her uh, i thought you know what i'm gonna have a chat because i've been doing loom recordings of every task that i do yeah so this is a really good tip if there's a repetitive task that you do just record it on loom and write down some notes and then you can send it to someone in the philippines and just get them to copy it and do it exactly how you do it now one thing i really find boring is not boring I actually enjoy it, but I know I can't be doing it much longer is editing videos because they take too damn long or editing podcasts or you know producing artwork again all the stuff that I really enjoy but it's just it's not working on your business like they say I'm just working on stuff that isn't really productive for me it is productive but I shouldn't really be doing it so I would say get yourself an excel chart write down all the lists that you do uh, the tasks that you do in your work in your business in your life and see how much of those you can Send out to a VA and VAs are cheap, man. And ultimately, look, let's think about it. Everybody is in property. One of the things they say their goal is I want to have enough time, I want to have more time so I can travel, I want to have more time so I can do what I want. Let me tell you something sending all that shit to a VA is going to create time for you automatically. You know, what would you do right now? if you? Well, maybe not right now if you had extra time because you've got shitloads of time now. But when we return to normality, what would you do with an extra 50% of time? You know, you could spend it with a loved one. You could travel. You could do whatever. Um, so, yeah, use this time wisely. Um, if you want to sit there and have a, have a binge on Netflix, we were talking about this yesterday, actually, not that there's anything wrong with it. I've got my Netflix binge lined up as well. Nice case of beers in the fridge cooling as well. But, you know, at the same token... You need to, you need I think you need to have a have a have the right balance. And I think if you come out of this, I know you're talking about you've seen all these quotes by people saying if you come out of this, you're a waste man. I agree to it to a certain extent, yeah. You if this goes on for eight weeks and you come out of this eight weeks later, and all you've done is fucking cane Netflix and you've done nothing else you've not built your brand, you've not done research into an area, then you are a flipping wasteman. man. Straight up, you're a wasteman. man. And if you sit in your pajamas till 11 o'clock in the morning, like I can see you are, Ruby, you're a wasteman man too. <laughs> That's my
1: talk on that. That's my take on that. You know, I think, I'm not going to lie. I-, I do agree in the sense that as an entrepreneur, I think naturally, we're inclined to do this anyway. So take the break 100%. It, here- here's the thing. I think if you've been an entrepreneur for like 10 years, you've always worked hard, you haven't taken many holidays, then just enjoy this. It's totally up to you. But I think in like, at least if I look at myself, I'm like, no, Ted, you know, this is a time where you can do shit. So I totally agree with your sentiment, but it depends on the person, right? Like it depends on what they've done in the past 10 years. It depends on like, you know what I mean? Like if you'd never taken a holiday in like five years, cause you've been working on some sort of business and growing, you know, staff, I would 100% be like, yo, just do your thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I understand your sentiment and I agree with it, Like that there is always like an opportunity to, to do that, right? Um, Shaz also says, uh, how about all this money people could be potentially saving? No nights out, no eating out, cinema, maybe clear out your essential costs versus what your non-essential costs are. That's really good. That would help these millennials buy their houses that they want, Yeah. I like that. Very good. Everyone else has been doing that. Um, I think. I think everything you said is, is correct, and I, I think to add to the tasks that you could be doing, uh, I actually made a presentation. You know what? Should I? Should I present? Should I share my screen? Should I do a presentation, James? Yeah, if you want. Now nah, I already did it a previous nights nice Switch. What I'm going to do is, though, I'm going to say that there's a few things you can do. I think social things you can do is like connect with people. So zoom is super powerful now and, and used very heavily use this time to just say, Hey, you know, one a 15 minute zoom session. Want to just get to know each other better. Like we've been talking on Instagram. We've been talking on Facebook. We've never met. Let's just sort of e-meet uh, and, and just take it from there because when it comes out of this period and we can physically move around, imagine if you come out of this period knowing everyone and, everyone knows you and it, it, you've just spent this time at home actually being with everyone else at home. And then, you know, when you come out, everyone kind of, you've just kind of built a brand and a built, a, uh, I guess a reputation without leaving your house, literally sitting wherever you like in whatever you like and building relationships. So I think it's a big, big time to do that. Like just with anyone, like just put on your Instagram story, just say whatever. Right. Um, I think another thing you can be doing is like learn a language if you want, you know, learning languages is good for your brain and your neuroplasticity and it does keep you fresh. And actually as entrepreneurs, when we do these like tasks every day, all day, it's good to have something totally different and work a different part of your brain. And it helps communication in in any language. Open university has 92 free courses. uh, So go do that. Here's a little tip. If you're learning a language Rosetta stone, which is amazing by the way, has three months free. If you're a kid, so, find the entrance for like schools and it says put in your mummy's name, put in your daddy's name, whatever. Put it in and you get three months free. Yes, it, there's a top ask. tip. Um, I'm, I'm doing what Shaz said, I'm, I'm saving non essential costs. Uh, I think also you can learn to make bread because homemade bread is a million times better and it takes like 15 minutes to make, if that. And the rest of it's just rising time. And it's super cheap and you can make different variations. Make pasta semolina and water or egg yolks and zero zero flour as easy as that right there's so many things you can do imagine coming out of this lockdown being more cultured that would be amazing wouldn't it um new business ideas what about brainstorming ideas that when we come out of lockdown you can launch them or even that you could do now to help the nhs or to help someone or something um were you going to say something james James.
0: i i was yeah i was going to say I hear this time and time again. Yeah, people say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to do this. If only I had enough time to do this, I would be a property developer. If only I had enough Mm. time to do this, I'll be a multimillionaire. I'll be a social media king. I'll be this. Guys, you got shitloads of time at the moment. Don't even be trying to say you ain't got enough time. You know, you got loads of time now. Now's the time to do something with it and do something productive because. That's it. What do we have at the moment? We've got time, we've got resources, we've got a sh- shit hot internet connection and we've got people there who we can reach out to. So don't be using that
1: old excuse, oh, if only I had enough time. you got shit loads of time, man. Get off your ass and get something done. I agree. And, and Aaron do makes good comments in here and says sometimes he just sits there listening to music and eating. Um, that's some serious self-love. Sometimes you have to make time to you know look after your mental health as well, which is important. And for some people... Doing stuff may look after their mental health because I know like for me, if I wake up and I haven't got a to-do list or schedule, yeah, it's nice to have a break and play Xbox. But you know, my weekdays, for me to keep my sanity, I need to sort of be doing something. You know, it doesn't have to be work, but just has to be something that feels like work, something that stimulates me, right? So I think sometimes if people are gonna take this as a holiday, I think still keep some elements of stimulus, whether it's a language, whether it's cooking, whether it's something, because that will keep you more sane than taking a total break. Like, because you, you know, like when people retire at 30, because like they won the lottery or they, or they sold a business and then they're like, six months later, they're like, oh, let's start a new business. You know, all these, look at all these VC companies in America, these rich Silicon Valley billionaires. They never stop making companies because they're just like, ain't about the money. I'm bored. Like, let's do something. So kind of learn, I guess, like from from things like that. Uh, I think another thing you can do, which leads us nicely into our next topic is create and edit content and build a brand or build brands because many people in here uh james what can people be doing now to let's start you know let's start should we take people through a journey of how they can build a brand from zero in 10 minutes should we do that Mm -hmm. so right day one um okay, day one, you have no brand, yeah? But you have, let's say, you know, let's say you have no property. Let's make it even harder. You have no properties and you have all your accounts set up and your name chosen. Let's ignore that stuff. You know, done. Where do we start, James?
0: I think, first of all, you need to decide, are you going to come across as a company? Are you going to have a company name or are you going to have a personal brand? Now, by that, I'll use Tej as an example. You could come across as Tej Singh or you could come across as Tej Talks. You need to decide, How are you going to portray yourself to your audience that you're setting up? Have that name and stick to that name and use that name consistently throughout. So don't have, say, you know, don't have uh, Dave's property on your Twitter, then have David's property on something else and then have Big Dave, the (laughs) Big Dave, the property king on something else. Keep it completely consistent throughout. If you're using a low, you know, once once you've got a name, design yourself a logo or get someone to design your logo, but make sure your logo has strict brand guidance, you know? So if you're going to use it on, say, Twitter, if you're going to use it, say, on a social post, make sure, you know, the margins or the line spacings where the logo is going to sit is correct. Write this guidelines now because what's going to happen is in the future when you need to hand this shit to someone else, you're going to get really, really annoyed if your logos are not being used in the right way, if they're being stretched out, if you know if they're being used in the wrong color have a brand guidance pack by that i mean show how you want your logos to be used what sizes they need to be going to how they're scaled what colors they're used in really take the time to put a brand pack together you can download this shit offline it will tell you how to put a brand pack together you know brand guidance for for a logo I think once you've got your logo sorted, make sure you've got your logo in various different formats because you need your logo in different formats. If you're going to print something, you need your logo as a vector, an AI, or a high-res PDF so it can be stretched, it can be used, and it can be printed properly. If it's being used on the web, it might need to be a PNG file. So take the time to save all of these formats now so that when you're creating content, you ain't constantly going back and saying, oh, man, I need a logo with a white background and a logo with no background. I need this, I need that. I think once you've got your name and your logo sorted, then you probably want to look at the next important thing, which I'm sure Ted will agree is color. You know, look at a set of colors that work for you. I would say don't mix more than two colors or two to three colors. Don't go crazy and have every single rainbow color. Again, very, very easy to do. You just need to go online and you can search what color, type in what colors work with the what colours, you know, you'll see swatches, they'll show you, a blue might go with a nice brown or a blue might go with a nice teal colour, you'll, you'll get the idea, you can pick the colours from there that you need. Once you've got the colours sorted, then I suppose it's about going through all your social platforms and making sure everything is consistent so if you've got a header on twitter make sure you're following the sizes you know if it's telling you it's 1200 by Mm. 700 create it at 1200 don't create it at 1500 or 1900 and when it's all squashed up and your face looks like a flipping potato you're wondering what the (laughs) hell's going on here man it's pretty damn simple now guys it probably comes a lot easier to me because i was a graphic design lecturer i worked in design for a long time so it you know it's probably second nature but all of the stuff is out there. And I think your biggest, most powerful tool when you don't understand something is going to play YouTube and just type it in. People have spent hours and hours creating really, really, really good, solid content to help you guys out. I think once you're, um, once all your platforms are set up and they're all looking really consistent, that's, that's a major milestone achieved. Because when you do start posting content and people start coming over to your platforms and they think, oh you know what, this has got some kind of consistency to it. Oh, the colors are all the same. The logos are all nice. That's where you've built yourself a brand. People are now seeing that you have a solid brand so that when you start posting content, you've got some real reinforcement behind you on your social platforms. Um, I think once you've got that sorted, I guess it's then what kind of content you're going to post. And, you know, don't just willy-nilly post a picture of your dog or, you know, a picture of your cat. <laughs> It's got to have some flipping relevance, you know. Okay, if your dog's on a building site and he's got a hard hat on and he's holding a drill, that's pretty cool, man. You know, I'd want to see that. Or like sometimes, I, my one of my youngest son. There's a post. There's a picture on one of my posts where he came over to our HMO and he's walking around with some screws or something. It looks pretty cool, you know. He's got a monster outfit on and he's messing around. It's got some relevance because he's there. He's having a look. Um, Make sure sure your content's relevant. Cute little dogs, yeah, all they're going to do is get likes, but they're not really relevant to your brand. So make sure your content that you're posting is great. The next thing I would say is once you're ready to start posting content, you need a content plan. You can't just start posting content willy-nilly. You need to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you could spend forever listing content, you know. Producing content or producing good content, let me say, takes time, you know. (laughs) You need to really think about what you're posting. Um, so have a content plan. You know, Monday to Friday, have a content plan. Work out what days you're going to post what. Work out the times you're going to post. Um, I I subscribe to something called Hootsuite, which costs me, I think, about 300 quid for the year, but it lets me schedule posts. It makes posting a lot nicer and a lot easier to do. I know Ted uses Later. Um, I used it a little while ago. I quite like that as well. When you get to the point where you want to be putting a lot of content out there, I think you need one of these tools to start scheduling stuff up for you because you need to bulk edit stuff. Like for me, when I'm doing videos now, I have to sit there and bulk edit all the videos together because if I don't, it's going to take a long bloody time to just hit one video at a time. And the other thing you got to remember when you are producing a video, videos have to be produced at different sizes for different social platforms. So you know, it's there, there is a hell of a lot that goes into doing content. I get people message me all the time and say, "Oh, James, how you do this, man? Your content looks good." There, I said, "Listen, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and te- uh, tears here to get this stuff ready. It's not we don't just we don't just run it through a bit of software and it's done, man. There's a there's a lot a lot of time that goes into shit."
1: Um, I think I rabbited on a bit there. I don't know if you want to come in and add something. <laughs> no, I think you make very valid points. Like the points about logos and stuff, I actually always like I forget to mention that because it's so it just becomes so normal, right? But the amount of logos, maybe not so much like in property, but just in general that you see that are blurry or don't have the right dimensions or are stretched or have like a white infill when they could be a clear background, or there's a lot of like basics that no matter how good your content is and how sort of well known you are. So you're always going to be judged for a shitty, blurry logo imprinted on your picture because people are going to say, "Hold oh, on, how is everything else so high quality, but this isn't?" But also, I think in human nature, and I guess I'm being really harsh or strict here. As humans, we are obviously judging all the time, and if something something as simple as your logo is blurry or not the right dimensions, I don't know. I do this. I always think, hmm, you know, why why hasn't the detail been paid to this little attention? And if you're looking for investors, yes, they're investing in you, but your aim should be to show them that you are as diligent and as detail oriented as someone giving you a lot of money needs you to be. You know, if, if your logo, and this might sound silly because a solicitor could be incredible at contracts, but have a crappy logo. But if your logo is blurry, there's a judgment. If your pictures are low quality, there's a judgment. And it imparts on you as a person, like your clothes, like the way you speak, everything is always a judgment. So... I'm not saying change who you are to meet people's judgment. I'm just saying show people an attention to detail and a level of diligence and why they should invest with you and why they should speak to you. Right? Like it's because it's so easy to do. And then if, if you're not doing the easiest things, right. an investors thinking, potentially they're thinking they may not, but they're thinking, can't do the easiest thing, right? How are you going to take hundred K of my money and make sure I get it back? Cause actually they're easy. So I think, um, I think that's an important point. Shaz says he totally judges people on their graphics, attention to detail. Thank you for your honesty. Ruby says, we notice the small mistakes more over the good things yet. I think we can be quite negatively biased. Um, creases on your bed in like an essay and pictures, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that does annoy me. I've definitely got some on mine. Um, so I think what you said about content plan, when you start out, million percent. Like the, I think the beauty of later, maybe Hootsuite has it, is it's got a calendar sort of format, so you can very visually see how is my feed going to look, where's everything going, and it also has a feature that actually puts your future posts into a pretend feed, so you can see how it looks if you're really, really on it.
0: Just to add to that, Teji, it's also got... um, I know you're one who doesn't like to pay for expensive software, so I might as well tell you about it. (laughs) It has a massive screen where you can see all your feed channels, yeah? So you can see what's going on. Mm. So you can... You know, they say social... Look, look! at the word social media. You need to socially interact with someone. If someone said something, re- repeat back to it. And if you've got a massive screen that shows all the social interaction, I can see it within minutes when something's pinged in and someone said, "Hey, that was really good," or "Hey, this is really cool." You can reply back to them, and you're you know you're socially interacting with them. Um, so, who? Sorry, that's Hootsuite, Aaron. Um, it, it, it's it's a good it's a great bit of software, man. And you get a free thirty day trial. Try it out. Uh, again, really, really good videos online um, for it, just to help you get started. But if you're starting out, maybe later might be a little bit easier for you to understand because I feel Hootsuite's uh, it's a little bit more. You need to you need to kind of spend
1: some time setting it up, but once it's set up, it's it's bloody superb, man! It really, really is good. It's such a it's such a good tool, and it allows you, um, elite here. Um, Andrew said that yeah, you know, bulking and scheduling things at once makes life so much easier and. It does because you're in the zone, you're kind of creative, you're writing, you're you're putting it out. It's just so much easier than, oh, every day, here's my content, here's my content, which you do with your stories anyway, like on IG and, and on Facebook. So I think having a content, um, Sandy says another one called Buffer. I use Buffer for LinkedIn, but I think it's really clunky and it's it's just not well designed. They were one of the first ones in the game and now they're just like the last. I think they're not, it's just not very yeah. well designed, but it's free for 10 posts on LinkedIn. So I just load it up to 10 when it drops to five, I reload it. Simple as that. Um, so proper tight ass, you? Proper. <laughs> you know what? What? That's I just a payback, I've got, boy.
0: I've got a spare user on Hootsuite. I'll just let you use it.
1: Oh well, you... yeah, go on, then I'll be sweet. Um, that would actually be really useful. So uh, I think having a content plan is useful over time, though. Maybe James, you may still you may still use one. Depends on your mental structure, how you like it. I don't do very well with, like, content plan structures. I do well with just knowing I need to post X, Y, Z, sort of this sort of day, this sort of time, and then I do it. So I think over time, it just becomes so natural to you, and then content creation becomes so natural, you just do it. Just, just, Ted, just to add to that, mate, I think
0: as soon as you're married and you've got two kids, you're going to need a planner, man. Things change. <laughs> yeah. Right now, well, right now yeah. you're, you know... The focus is there, but chuck a couple of people into the mix, man, and you really need a planner. And I'm happy to share yeah. that planner with people. The planner that I use. Uh, just reach out to me, man, and I'll, I'll fire it across because it is it is good and it helps me quite a bit.
1: Um. Yeah. So I think. What about when it comes to content? You know, one of the questions I get asked so much here, and I have the same answer for every time, and I th- I think it's the easiest thing of social media, but it isn't for most people when you start. Is content so james give me some tangible content ideas that people can leave this podcast with and start creating content give me give me some ideas
0: i think with the whole thing of content i think it was actually you who said to me Lames, look you've got you've worked on some really good projects you've got some really good archives pull them out and start posting them you know start putting some content there if you're new and you don't have any content maybe start with yourself you know maybe start telling people what you do Maybe just, you know, tell people all about you. And One of the questions I ask on a podcast is, hey, how are you doing? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the world about yourself. Tell them what you're doing. I think some of the things you did really well, Tej, in the early days, one of your early podcasts, you're doing a podcast nine months in and you have got no, I remember when you had no deals, but you're still talking to people about the process, about the emotions, um, how things are going, you know, and how, how you're feeling emotionally that you haven't got a deal and the journey you've gone through. I think there's a lot of things you can do. I'd say if you've got no content, if you've got no deals, start with talking about yourself. Tell the, tell the world who you are, what you do, what makes you more than just your name? What have you done? You know, only recently when I was talking to someone on a, I think it was, um, I think it was D, D Ludlow on the podcast. And he, you know, he was like, Oh shit, James, I had no idea that you, uh, you know, you've got a design degree or you've done a master's or you're a qualified teacher or you've been a designer, you've been a lecturer. It's like, oh shit, I've never really told anybody that, you know, there's a hell of a lot of stuff people have done that other people don't know. So I would say, first of all, share your story. Secondly, if you are in property, make your content property related. Go away and have a look at some of the hashtags that are available on the content people are posting, and then maybe make your make your content relevant relevant to that hashtag so you get maximum amount of exposure in that kind of area but that's how I would start if I've got no content for me because I've done a few projects now I've got a lot of stuff that I can feature um,
1: a lot of things that I can talk about but if you haven't start with yourself 100% I mean I'm looking at some of the names on this chat and some people I know quite well some people I don't know very well at all Some people I know little bits about but I know certain people on here like things they've done they've never spoken about or some have like 10 years experience or they've done deals that we don't know about or they have a cool story or energy that they aren't sharing. So just by looking at a few names on here at random, I know that there is like weeks, easily weeks worth of like weeks of content that these people can create. Um, and that's just me going off what I know of a few people in a chat at 10 a.m. on Thursday when, you know, if you look at the wider world and the other people that are in, property and people have done stuff there's so much you can create from your own story just remember there's always someone who's one, two, five, twen- 20 steps behind you who as mundane as it might be will learn so much from the stuff you know whether you know if you should use a flexi pipe or this pipe or blah blah or copper or plastic whatever there's certain things that would really help people so so get them out there um james i think so we're coming up to is it an hour an hour yeah al- almost almost mate almost an hour an hour so i think we should um we should wrap it up here uh if if people have any questions put them in the chat now and we'll answer them sort of before we leave uh but for everyone listening on the podcast if you have any suggestions of topics you want us to cover deals you want us to look at just anything just dm one of us uh, probably on instagram is probably the easiest way i reckon for both of us uh, and then we'll, we'll try and speak about the topic, really. The topics change every week, so we're more than happy to cover anything. Uh, and thank you very much for tuning in to the Property Duo podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, like Ted said, if anybody wants to uh, reach out, happy to help if we can. I'd rather you guys not make some of the mistakes I've made in the past and learn from them. Um, it's always it's always a kind of a bonus for me when someone reaches out and says, hey, James, that little bit of advice saved me a shitload of money i'm so glad i almost made a mistake i almost signed up for that course that was going to cost me like 50 grand and <laughs> my credit card was going to get raped and all sorts but um yeah happy to help in any way i can man really like connecting with people I really like talking so cool we shall end it then. if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content